I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio is the Producing Artistic Director of Delaware Shakespeare, David Stradley. Welcome, David. Always good to be here. Thanks for having me on, Paul. So glad to have you here to, to uh, both promote uh, the upcoming Summer Festival, Much Ado About Nothing, uh, but also to talk about the broader programming that uh, Delaware Shakespeare uh, has been doing, expanding uh, tremendously over your 16-year history. We, we are uh, broadening, that is true. <laughs> but, but first, let, let's, let's uh, talk about this this summer's uh, production a little bit, Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, so uh, this is actually the the second time we've done Much Ado. The, the 12 years ago when we first moved out to Rockwood Park, Much Ado About Nothing was the uh, the first show we did at Rockwood. Uh, and as you said, you know, we our company has changed so much since then that we're, we're really excited to revisit you know, one of Shakespeare's greatest romantic comedies um, now that we're a little bit older, have a little more experience as a company. So we're really aiming for this production to be a, a joyous community celebration of love and hope um, and, and community, really. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's got two sets of, uh, of lovers, you know, a great comedic hero, a great comic villain. So it's got it's got dancing, it's got live music, it's got a party, it's got two weddings. So, you know, we're, we're ready for a great time. Now, where does Much Ado About Nothing fall in the chronological spectrum of Shakespeare's work? It's one of his kind of middle plays, one of his mature yeah. comedies. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't quite one of his early, just silly ones like like Two Gentlemen of Verona of Comedy of Errors. You know, it's, um, it's not just about young love. So it's it's kind of right smack dab in the middle, you know, right where he was at the the height of his powers. Um, so it, it, it doesn't get much better than Benedict and, and Beatrice as they spar and match wits and then fall head over heels in love. And you're well into rehearsal at this point? Yes, the uh, the production is staged, we're polishing, we're refining. Um, we've been out at the uh, at Rockwood Park building our set, so we are we are getting ready to to welcome people out to out to Rockwood for Summer in Shakespeare Under the Stars. And the dates for the uh, festival? We perform July 13th through the 29th. Um, our performances start at 7.30 p.m. most nights, except for Sundays, which start at 6. Sundays are also our family Sundays, so kids 12 and under can get in free on Sundays. Um, every night of the Summer Festival, the grounds open 75 minutes before the show for picnicking, pre-show entertainment, wandering bards, you know, walking through the grounds, entertaining people. Um, so we invite people to come out early, bring their food, bring their drink, relax, enjoy themselves, and then watch some great Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And and uh, our listeners can find out more information about you the production? You can find us at dellshakes.org. Okay. Well, I want to I want to come back to more details about this production and sort of what went into it, the casting and the rehearsal process. And and I was I was reading on your website some really int- or I guess a, a an e newsletter you sent out a really interesting concept for the the stage itself, just the the setting. Uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, as I mentioned early on, sixteen years now, uh, and you've been with it since its inception. Um, yeah, actually, I wasn't involved the very first year, but I started acting with the company in the second year. Very early on, yeah, right. Now I've been running it for, this is my sixth, sixth summer, sixth year running uh, Delaware Shakespeare. Let, let's talk about how it has grown. I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a, a list of some of the programming you're doing from a community tour that you started a few years back. Uh, this year, I think the first time ever, uh, you did some work out at Longwood Gardens, uh, another beautiful setting for Shakespeare. Uh, and you've been doing Shakespeare Poe and Friends for a number of years in, in October. And uh, 
around about Halloween, I believe, isn't yes, it? Yes. Late October. Late October. Uh, and then, of course, your Shakespeare and, and St. Valentine's Day, uh, all the love sonnets yeah. and all that so, Shakespeare has to contribute. And we really try to, as best we can, fill fill the year fill the year with uh, with Shakespeare. And you know, the, the the most transformative thing that has happened in the growth it has been the addition of the of the community tour that started three years ago. Uh, and as you know, that's our program that really aims to take Shakespeare to the the full spectrum of humanity by taking a full production on the road and going into places like prisons and homeless shelters and community centers and downstate libraries, senior centers, psychiatric centers, um, anywhere we can get to where people think that um, Shakespeare might not be for them or think that they can't understand Shakespeare or just think they can't afford Shakespeare. Um, it's been really transformative for us, bringing Shakespeare to the broadest spectrum of, of humanity in, in our state. Um, and really, one of the things we're trying to do this summer is is take some of the lessons that we've learned from doing Shakespeare in these places and, and having it being received extremely well and, and kind of... Uh, you know, infuse our, our summer festival with that. So a couple of the actors that um, have done our first two tours um, are, are either appearing in Much New or, or directing the production. Um, part of the reason that we're, we're engaging, we're engaging community volunteers to step up and take a role in Much Ado is because we, we did that on the community tour last year. And it was just a, an incredible way to, to just immediately cut through any sense that Shakespeare is something beyond you if you just see your your friend and neighbor up there on stage saying saying one of the lines i seem to recall a, an anecdote from one of your actors i think it was last year uh liz filios in in doing the the monologue about the seven stages of of man yeah so liz was our jayquiz last year and as you like it when we, and um, when we performed at sacred heart village uh, which is a, a senior apartment uh, run by ministry of caring mm. um we had seniors there there were also some uh uh men and women from some of their homeless shelters, and then also a group of young kids from the Christina Cultural Arts Center. Uh, and so when Liz started the Seven Ages of Man speech, she looked around the audience and realized that literally every age of man that's talked about in that monologue was present in the audience that night. Um, and so she just on the fly, um, one by one, pulled up volunteers from the audience to take us through each of those um, ages of man. Um, so the more that the more that you can see yourself represented in these works, the more you realize, oh, this is just about me. This is just about things that I connect with and, and experience and not just think, oh, that's something that was written 400 years ago. So we're really kind of inspired by that moment and a couple other moments on the tour. We're really trying to figure out, okay, how can we, how can we engage the community as participants, not just as people sitting out and watching the show, but, um, but as participants as well. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, are there any other anecdotes that sort of stick out in your mind? Uh, be, because I think bringing Shakespeare to these you know audiences, as you mentioned, you know that whole notion: how accessible is Shakespeare? How how do you make it accessible to these audiences, and what are you seeing in their response? Well, you know, I, I was doing an interview a couple months ago, and. You know, they, they noticed the same thing you noticed. Like, oh, you're you know you're you're going to Longwood Gardens. You yeah. perform at these great historical sites, and they're like, you perform all over the state. Where's your favorite place that you perform? <laughs> and I said, honestly, I was like, the best audiences we've had the last two years have been at Baylor Women's Correctional Institution. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, last year when we did As You Like It there, I mean, you could have you would have thought we had a laugh track playing. I mean, mm. just from the moment the play began, those ladies were into it, and you know ready to respond and ready to laugh. Um, and you get to the question of, well, what do you do? It's like, well, we just do Shakespeare well, mm-hmm. you know? And when you do it well and know that it's about things that are going on in the heart of men and women right now, mm-hmm. people respond to it and, and, and connect to it. And, you know, that's, so if ever anybody comes up to me and says, oh, it isn't, 
we can't understand Shakespeare. All those, all those big <laughs> words, all those. I was like, you come with me to the, the Baylor Women's Correctional Institution and you tell me that people can't understand and appreciate and have fun with Shakespeare. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. we see it, we, we see it <clears throat> across the state and across you know, demographic barriers and you know, everywhere we go, we just see people that are able to make connections. Um, so as long as we tell the story clearly and, you know, bring our heart and soul to it, we've had no problem with people connecting and yeah. enjoying it. You've touched on it, but could you speak to not only the universality, but also the timelessness of Shakespeare? Yeah. Well, I'm going to say we were, um, so this spring in the run up to Much Do About Nothing, um, we did a series of uh, workshops called Reflecting Shakespeare, um, but the aim was it was just to, to take short scenes for Much Do About Nothing, um, go into a lot of these places that we've t- either taken our community tour or, or will take it, and just say, hey, we're going to read this scene. We want you to tell us you know, what, what, you, what you see about it. And we were at the Christina Cultural Arts Center with these middle school kids. And just from like a description of Beatrice and Benedict and like the people that love to hate each other, f- five minutes into this workshop, this one girl steps up and says... I am Beatrice. I play this role every day of my life. And we had with us our, our kind of look board of the costume sketches for the play. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the teaching artist had kind of introduced some of the characters at that point. And this girl goes on like a three-minute impromptu lecture where she points to every single one of these characters and, and identifies someone in her life mm-hmm. <laughs> that represents one of those characters or the relationships in it. And I was like, if I could record that and, you know... <laughs> Because <laughs> it is it, again, it's it is it is timeless. You know, once you boil it down to, oh, this is a person who uh, likes to pretend that she doesn't like this guy, but really, really does. Then yeah, it all drops away. Be like, oh yeah, I'm Beatrice. I'm Benedict. <laughs> I get this. <laughs> now, what, what when it is selecting much ado about nothing this season? Because I I know you think long term of what have we been doing, where are we going? Yeah. So why this piece this year? Well, we were. We did Henry V last year, um, so we, we typically, once we do a, a serious play, we'll try to follow up with it with a comedy. Um, and I had another comedy mind that we hadn't done before, and I was um, talking to our, our, our director last year about the show. She was like, you don't want to do that play. I was like, you want to do much do about nothing. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. That's a much more fun play. <laughs> um, and we had a couple actors kind of in mind that were like, oh, they'd make a really good um Beatrice and, and, and Benedict. And we hadn't done it in many, many years. Um, so that's, that was, it was, it was almost, it was as simple as that, you know, it was just, that's right. We haven't done that play. That's, that's actually a play I'm more excited about than, than this other Shakespeare play. Um, so away we went. Well, I, I, I want to pursue now the sort of the components of the production, the, the acting, the set design, all of that. But first, let me remind our listeners, you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is the producing artistic director of Delaware Shakespeare, David Stradley. Uh, we're talking about uh, this summer's production of Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, you you reference the actors, uh, and I know over the 16 years Delaware Shakespeare has been in existence, uh, your, your range of actors uh, has expanded tremendously, uh, not only uh, in ability uh, but also in geography. Uh, could you speak to you know where where are you going to bring in the actors that you're bringing in? Well, Delaware Shakespeare is part of the the larger greater Philadelphia theater community. So the the large majority of our of our actors come from, you know, about a 
30 to, to 45 minute radius. Uh, and we're, we're really excited this year that this will be our first summer festival production that will feature two members of Actors' Equity Association, mm-hmm. um, Krista Apple and, and Jay Hernandez. Uh, Jay's been a, a, a fan favorite of our community tours, appearing in both Pericles and, and As You Like It. And Krista is, I think, one of the treasures of the, the Philadelphia theater community. Uh, she's a professor at University of the Arts, a company member at the Wilma Theater, uh, a Barrymore award-winning actor, and someone who can just make Shakespeare so clear and and wonderful. Um, so I've been watching her in rehearsals and just going, I am so glad that as a company we've come to the place now where we're able to to employ actors like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we really enjoy bringing again we we enjoy bringing a broad mix of the community together in our audiences, but also in our in our cast, particularly for the summer festival productions, which are really these you know communal celebrations. So we have ten professional actors again, most of whom come from the the, the Philadelphia area. Uh, but then we have five college apprentices who, again, come from area area colleges, and they either have just graduated or you know are a year or two away from from graduating. Uh, and that it's an opportunity for them to have a professional experience with classical theater before they actually begin their their professional careers. Um, and it's really great to see the apprentice actors watching these professionals who've been working for 10, 20 years, um, learning from them, asking questions about them, and then blossoming in their own rights. Um, and then we have high school interns who, while they don't appear in the stage production, um, serve as our wandering bards um, entertaining the crowd before the show. Um, and it just creates for a really just joyous and uh, free-flowing rehearsal room when you have people at all different levels of their experiences coming together to create these plays. And our hope then is that it then creates a production that gives access points for people at, at many different points in, in their own just experiences as, as human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also glad to have a couple of uh, uh, Wilmington standouts. Um, Kim Graham, who is a, mm-hmm. a kind of beloved spoken word artist and, and um, you know, drama teacher at Christina Cultural Arts Center, is, is playing in our production the role of Antonia. We've turned uh, Leonardo's sister brother Antonio into Antonia. Um, so we're glad to have uh, Kim in the show as well. Now, new this year, or I... I've- I don't think you've done this before. You have a rotate, what you have on your website as a rotating roster of area faith leaders. Yeah. What's that all about? So again, that was inspired by by the community tour last year. And as you like it, at the end of the play, there's a character that comes in called the second brother who comes in and, and delivers some basically exposition that helps to sum up the plot. And it just blew our minds. It was It was incredible every time that happened. We're like, can we do that in our summer show? And in Much About Nothing, there is the role of Friar Francis, who comes out to officiate a wedding kind of at the middle of the play and then shows up at the end to help summarize things. It's a little bit of a bigger role than Second Brother. Um, but I talked to our director, who did As You Like It, Bijan No. So she'd, she'd seen this um, you know, volunteer thing in action. I was like, what do you think if we got a rotating roster of you know, faith leaders who could step in and play this part on a nightly basis? And she was a little nervous at first. She was like, oh, but it's a bigger role. There's, there's actually a pretty big monologue that's really important. She goes, these aren't, these aren't performers. I was like, well, no, but every week they get up in front of their congregations and, and deliver a, a sermon. Um, so she ultimately said, okay, let's do this. Um, so over rehearsals, uh, we've been inviting them in to kind of watch rehearsals. We had two special rehearsals just for these faith leaders to kind of go over the text and, and go over the blocking. Uh, and we're really excited to have them bring their own lived experience as a as a faith leader um, to this role in the play to give it some some deeper resonance um, and again deeper just community connection. So, how many different faith leaders do you have? We engaged? have seven faith leaders. Okay. Uh, so, Rabbi Beals from Congregation Beth Shalom, uh, Reverend Edwin Estevez from Grace Methodist Church, 
uh, Reverend Roberta Finkelstein from the First Unitarian Universalist, and several more. I can I can continue mm-hmm. listening if you want. But, uh, that, that's yeah. that's, <laughs> that's I, I just think that's a wonderful idea that you know to to really to to, en- to engage the community in that way. And one of the the standouts so far, just because he's been showing up the most, has been um, Bishop Todd Townsend from the Resurrection Center. Mm-hmm. He came to the first rehearsal. He's been showing up at a lot of the rehearsals, just staging his scenes and. You know, he just is always asking questions of the actors and, and directors. So it's, it's 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 been really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I've been reading too that, uh, and, and as a theater artist myself, you you walk into a theater space and you know the set designers say, okay, these are the dimensions that I have. You know, the depth of the stage and the width and, and so the height and all that. So what can I do in this space? Uh, but there's a defined stage. And then what do I do on that defined stage? Now, Rockwood is a different beast altogether. It's, there's not a defined stage. There is the space that's at your command. So, and, and I know there's been some innovative uh, thinking about the use of the space this year. Yeah, so every year, I mean, in the theater, we have what's sometimes called a black box theater. You know, it's mm-hmm. a small black room that you can manipulate however you want. And we started kind of thinking about Rockwood Park as our green box theater. Because <laughs> every year, when once we get the director and the design team together, we just go out to the park and go, all right, what are you imagining the story feeling like this year? Where might it take place in this in the back lawn here here of Rockwood? And, you know, in the last several years, we've had in the round, we've had thrust, we've had a 64-foot runway stage. Um so this year, the actual the, the the setting will actually be a little more traditional. It's kind of more of a proscenium in stage um, alignment, uh, but it's just it's just these circular platforms with a with a runway um, connecting them. So again, it's it's not a kind of existing stage space, and there's always a you know a learning curve for our our actors because they're like, okay, well, what is this stage? Okay, it's this platform here and this platform here and this. Um, and then for our front of house team, all as well, we have to kind of figure out each summer, all right, where are the audience aisles going to be? And how do we, <laughs> so it's, it's exhausting. It's a little, it's, a, it's, it's definitely, you know, uh, a challenge we give ourselves, but um, it's gotten to the point now where the, where the audience comes in each year and goes, oh, where's the stage going to be? Where's the stage going to be this year? Um, mm-hmm. And it provides us with flexibility and the ability to go, okay, what, what does this play? This production, this play, what what's the staging that it that it needs, um, and it gives us the flexibility to create that. Now, one of the other big challenges with an outdoor space that isn't built, you know, as a performance space is lighting and sound. Um, you must have sound. some masterful technicians. Yeah, masterful technicians and a wonderful foundation community here in Delaware mm. um, that has provided some grants for us over the years to be able to to increase our sound technology. So groups like the Marmot Foundation, Crystal Trust, um, and a couple others that um, have allowed us to invest in microfilm technology, invest in new speakers, new soundboards. Um, so one of our reviews last year we were very excited about because it said something like, and the, the best outdoor sound that I've heard in outdoor production in many a year. Um, that's, so great. That's, been, that's great. That's been nice to hear. Right. Yeah. But this, with, with the change in the uh, orientation of the set, mm-hmm. uh, the lighting designers have to take new factors into consideration each year. Yeah. So um, – yeah, the last couple of years being in the round, that's a different lighting challenge. And uh, yeah, this year with more of an end stage. So we've, we're actually trying a, trying a new, uh, a new uh, kind of infrastructure this year for our, for our lighting instruments, um, mm-hmm. which we hope will have a, be a little bit easier on the tech team as they, as they mm-hmm. put it up. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, 
there's there's a lot of new new thinking every year. They go, okay, mm-hmm. how are we going to light this, and where where are the lights going to hang? And mm-hmm. <laughs> so. now, now, some Shakespeare plays are, I, I think, probably better known for some of the memorable lines or quotes. I mean, Henry the Fifth right. is just riddled with them. Uh, what comes out of Much Ado About Nothing? The first one that comes to mind is. Oh, let it be writ down that I am an ass. <laughs> so we have the great character of Dogberry, who is the kind of police chief, uh, not a very well put together p- police chief, and is just dominated by by malapropisms. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's got a lot of uh, great lines. Um, the other one that always rings true for me is "We are the only love gods." When the, <laughs> the character of Don Pedro decides that he's going to try to get Beatrice and and, and Benedict together. Um, uh, but there's really, as in all Shakespeare, there's just joyous words put together um, and it's the actors are having so much fun saying them and we hope the audience has so much fun listening to them and realizing that sometimes like oh I didn't realize that you know that line came from came from this play mm-hmm. so. and your cast size for this is we have a cast of 15 actors so we have 10 professional <laughs> actors five college apprentices uh, and then we also have two live musicians um, we have a guitarist and we're really excited this will be our first year having trumpet um, as part of oh. the, the soundscape so uh, a gentleman named Lucas Sherman who uh, just graduated from the University of Delaware uh, has been working with our composer Michael Hahn to develop the the score for the show. So, um, you know, I, I talked at the beginning that we're really aiming for this to be kind of be a, a communal celebration. Uh, trumpet is definitely a, a party instrument that just kind of blares out and says, "Come join!" You know, right. we, we've got a celebration ready to happen. Well, in the thirty seconds we have left, again, where can people find out more information about? Please about check out nothing. our website at delshakes.org. Much do about nothing runs July thirteenth to the 29th. General admission tickets are are $20 with discounts for seniors, students, and military. So it's an opportunity to see Shakespeare outdoors. And as you mentioned, you can bring your picnic dinner and uh, beverage. And it's really a wonderful opportunity. Uh, Should people bring lawn chairs, blankets? Yeah, seating is on your own chairs or blankets. So please bring that. Okay, great. Well, David Stradley, the Producing Artistic Director of Delaware Shakespeare, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Paul.